This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. There's like this hunger inside and I tried to do other other things, you know, and I was completely unhappy. So it's um partly a, a love and a passion, obviously. A, I believe it's a purpose. I'm your host, Casey Finey, and this is Creative Conversation, a Fast Company podcast. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you were rejected? Like you truly felt someone robbed you of an opportunity you knew you deserved? Follow-up question, how did you handle it? We all first fell in love with Amber Riley as Mercedes Jones on Glee, but before that breakout role, she was actually rejected from American Idol, which almost made her quit singing altogether for a career in corporate. With her Mirabal-winning run on Dancing with the Stars, her roles in TV, film, and Broadway, and her own original recorded music, it's hard to imagine the entertainment industry without a powerhouse like Amber. But it really almost never was. In our conversation, Amber explains how she pushed past that initial rejection and how she's building a brand on more than just her raw talent. Well, hello, Amber Riley. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So whenever, you know, whenever I have guests on the show, you know, I I always like to kind of take it from the top and start from the beginning and ask, you know, what would you say was that initial spark that set you on the career that you have now? Like, was there a particular moment? Was there something early on that made you say like, oh, man, I, I really want to be a singer a performer like what was that for you oh gosh I you know what honestly my whole entire life I just knew this is what I wanted to do from as young as I can remember all I've ever wanted to do was entertain and make people laugh and I I guess I can talk about this moment I remember the first time that I sang on stage and I looked out and people were crying Mm. And I just remember feeling like confused at one because I was a kid, but <laughs> you're like, did I do something wrong? <laughs> right. But it didn't seem like they were sad. Mm. So um, just, you know, finding out and figuring out that God gave me a, the, the ability to touch people just by doing something that I I really love that's healing for me I think maybe it was like a drug like I, I gotta I gotta keep coming back <laughs> I, gotta, right. I, gotta keep, I gotta keep doing this what was the song prayer away by Yolanda Adams oh wow <laughs> <laughs> and that's just just the blackity blackest black thing okay yes <laughs> yes and one interesting bit about your your history is the fact that, you know, you auditioned for American Idol, which I still think a lot of people don't realize. And it's, it's you know, even if you Google your name, if you Google like Amber Riley, American Idol, it's usually lists of like, you know, top 10 performers that American Idol was a fool not to like bring <laughs> on their show. <laughs> and so you were only like 17 back then. So I guess I mean, I'd love to sort of hear like what you know, it may sound like a silly question because obviously it's exposure, but like what made you want to audition and how did you sort of process that feeling of that rejection really? 
I, you know what? It was, I, I can remember watching it in our apartment, me and my mom. And it was just kind of like that new way of being seen. And at that time, you know, I grew up in the hood and everything around you is kind of like laughing at your dreams, right? Telling you there's nothing around you that makes you feel like your dreams are real. Your dreams can be real, excuse me. Uh, So seeing American Idol and then not just seeing that it can take your career, but the stories, not just seeing the singing, but the stories of the people whose stories kind of seem like my made me feel like, wow, this is, this can be a reality. And so that was my first time ever really going after anything that was, you know, that big. And for you, so, I mean, so to kind of have that, because I think that, that, that's, that's a really beautiful approach thing. Like when you said people would sort of, it's very easy for people to laugh at your dreams. And so for you to, mm-hmm. to not only find the courage to audition because some people don't even make it to that step of even like admitting that they have talent enough good enough to possibly be on the show and so you know I guess like for you how did you what did you what did you walk away from that experience when they decided not to go forward with you as as a contestant on the show oh I was devastated (laughs) (laughs) I was devastated I don't think that I've ever cried so hard in my life and you know (laughs) I really feel like you know, my dad really wanted me to go because my mom and my dad and my uh, sister uh, drove up with me. I could tell that my mom knew that I wasn't ready for that kind of rejection, right? Because, you know, my whole life in, in my small towns, you know, doing community theater or singing in, you know, a church or singing in school, I was always praised. I was never really rejected. And so that was my first taste of real 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 rejection and it really made me doubt myself it did it made me doubt myself it made me you know growing up in a home where my parents and my family members always you know told me I was special made me feel like I wasn't and like maybe I didn't have what it takes so I always say that American Idol was the know that I needed to to really make that decision like that this is what I'm going to go after and the rejection Mm -hmm. is worth it Hmm. That see that and that I find interesting because most people would think the opposite. <laughs> most people mm-hmm. would think like, well, you know, if 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 this TV show doesn't want me, then why would why would Hollywood? Why would anyone really, you know, see mm-hmm. it for me? And I think even though there's countless stories of people having to audition multiple times to get something or submit whatever book proposal, whatever, whatever it might be, there's so many stories of people having to go through so many no's to just get that one yes. But yes. there are so many stories of people crumbling after that one no. So mm-hmm. I guess I mean, what I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what did keep you going especially as an artist because you know we all know artists are sensitive people so you know for someone to reject you like that like what what was that thing that really said you know what that's just one no and I'm gonna keep going forward there's like this hunger inside and I tried to do other other things you know and I was completely unhappy so it's um partly a, a love and a passion obviously I believe it's a purpose. It has put me in front of people and given me a platform to do things that really matter, be it activism or encouraging young women to love themselves or showing young women like you can look like me and have a career. It may be a little hard, but you can do it. 
So it's a number of things. Yeah. So what did you almost do? Because now, listen, I guess because you've had so many, <laughs> I mean, your career, you've, you've got so much more to do, I know, but you've, I guess I'm always the image of you as a singer, as a performer on Glee, which we'll get to, and just the work that you that you continue to do is so like burned into my mind that I can't imagine you doing anything else. So like, wait a minute. So what, <laughs> what, so in an alternate, in a, in a parallel universe, like what would, if singing didn't work out, if performing didn't work out, mm-hmm. who would Amber Riley be? <laughs> what was your plan B? Well, I, I, you know, so I worked at Ikea because I was over it. I was just like, you know, (laughs) this is not going to work. So it's not working out for me. You know what I mean? I'm just going to get a regular nine to five. And I've always been good with people. I worked in customer service, ended up moving Mm. up in the company pretty vastly. But I wasn't necessarily happy. I was just content. So I do believe people have always been my passion. So that was kind of like my way of still feeding that but it wasn't the medium you know to which I wanted to feed that if that makes sense right um so I mean I think I just would have been a corporate boss honestly which I can actually see I'm glad you said boss because I can actually see that now 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 that we sort of workshopped a little bit I can see that (laughs) so what put you back on track because I mean I guess in a way, I was actually I I I was looking so desperately to find a video of this, but that I think it was like a pilot, maybe Saint Sass was yeah. like one of your first credits that I it think was. Ryan Murphy wrote, and yes, so I imagine that's how you they connected <laughs> to do Glee. But so I guess like what I guess like how how did you get on the track that you are that you know that you're sort of writing now from you know putting away your corporate dreams and mm-hmm. you know assuming your place on the throne I, I, actually, <laughs> I actually have to attribute it to you know my sisters and my mom and my dad cuz when i was working at ikea you know i remember my parents kind of saying like you don't really talk about music much anymore you don't really sing much anymore you don't mm. you know you haven't been in an audition in years like you know, so I kind of just gave up those dreams and I started kind of saying I was just going to do it for fun. You mm. know what I'm saying? And eventually having a conversation with my parents and like, I, I want to quit this job and I want to pursue music again. And, you know, I'm not telling people to go out and quit their jobs. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but I, had, I did, you know, I had the support of my parents and my sisters. And I did, I quit the job. And, you know, was just working little odd music jobs, singing at bars when I could, doing um, demos for people, spending, you know, getting money to do ghost backgrounds and ghost Mm. vocals for artists that are out now. And, you know, just just whatever I could do to make ends meet. Right. Right. And so when did that break happen with Glee or like how did it happen because you know that is such that became such a huge vehicle for you so you know I'd love to sort of hear from people who don't know like how how did you wind up landing your spot on Glee it's such it's so random so um it really <laughs> ain't life is, random I mean it's come on. <laughs> really random yo it's so random so a friend of so I was a part of this kind of like friend group um when I was younger and my friend his name is Jazir actually had a roommate who was friends with the assistant to the casting director. Oh God. Okay. So when exactly, <laughs> precisely, right? 
hadn't been in an audition in years. I just quit my job. This is when I quit my job. Like I had just quit my job. Couple of months doing these shitty gigs, singing wherever it is that I could. And, you know, initially I thought that this show was a reality show. So mm. they had, you know, I guess it went through a couple of people and a lot of stuff got lost in translation when I got the audition. So they just told me I needed to sing. So I was like, yeah, like, like yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, they were like, you need two songs, you know, to sing. So I think I'm thinking like, okay, it sounds like some kind of reality show. I didn't get any audition sides, like nothing. So I showed up. I remember we didn't have a car. We borrowed my homeboy's car. Homeboy Kelvin, shout out to him, Kelvin Truitt. And um, my mom took me and I show up and they're like, oh, do you have a headshot? And I was like, uh, oh, no, I, you know, I, this is like my first audition in like four years, like three years, right. like I don't have a headshot. So she went on my MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> what an early 2000s story yo, if I ever heard one. <laughs> yeah, she went on my MySpace. She printed out the best looking picture that was on there. And it was a crazy looking picture. It's like me with all this black eyeshadow with a white at the top. Like I was like a fucking oh. raccoon. It was so crazy. <laughs> but that was like the, the only picture that was literally just a picture of my face. And then she like hands me audition sides. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I didn't want to act like I didn't know what was going on. So I was just like, oh, okay. And I'm like, mom, I, I guess I'm acting in this. Like, <laughs> so I just sit out. I sit out in the lobby and I just learned the lines and they asked me, you know, do the audition. And I guess the audition was fine. You know, the speaking role was fine. It was very short and asked me to do the song. And I did Sweet Thing by Shaka Khan. And he was like, oh, you know, that that was nice. And he was like, well, I wonder if you can. He was like, no, never mind. It might be too much. And I was like, well, what? He said, can you sing? And I'm telling you. Hmm. And initially i'm i've never sang that song number one in my life number two didn't ever consider myself a belter i've considered mm-hmm. myself a crooner mm-hmm. which would probably surprise a lot of people but i i was never a belter before glee wow that surprised um, me because you have yeah. i mean we i just know you for power i mean obviously you yeah. you, you have the ability to also croon but mm-hmm. no i think what people know you for is just like that that power yeah. that you have yeah wow. and so i that wasn't me though it just wasn't me and um so I was like, okay, cross my fingers. Like, I'm a singer as much as I, you know, it was one of my favorite movies. So right. <laughs> I watched it many times. So I sang it and he was just taken aback. And Robert ended up just kind of the casting director taking me around and was like, listen to this girl sing. God, listen to this girl sing. And he really went to bat for me to get that role. So mm. and it was just all history. And mind you, also, I didn't know it was a Ryan Murphy project. Mm. Had no clue that it was a Ryan Murphy project until I got to the network test and he was there <laughs> and he was like first of all girl you never told me you can sing so <laughs> what the hell <laughs> he was like no you can sing thing and he was like I'm gonna show you how to book it I'm gonna tell you what they're looking for and he kind of gave me the keys to like you know book it and wow. you know the rest was the rest was kind of history I came in at the end and I didn't know people had been auditioning for months for this. And, you know, sometimes it's just in the stars and it's just for you. And that's right. it. <laughs> okay. No, you said that was a random story, but no, you yeah. you meant it. <laughs> I meant it. That shit was random. <laughs> and I mean, in, in that vein of surprising people, like, is that, would you say, is that part of the reason why you did Dance with the Stars? Because I think people were like, 
I mean, I wasn't surprised that you can move. I mean, hello. But it's one of those (laughs) things where I think a lot of people probably were like they didn't expect it. And so which I mean, I loved. So, I mean, was that was that part of your decision to do to do that show? It's so funny because initially I wasn't going to do it (laughs) when they they first asked me, you know, my initial answer was no. And my mom is the one that actually got me to do it because I remember she said, I feel like Dance with the Stars is going to ask you to do it. And I was like, well, they actually did ask me. And I told them, no, she was like, have you lost your mind? (laughs) And I was like, well, mom, you know, and it was, you know, it was honestly a, a decision I made because of insecurity and like you know I, I know how the world feels about uh, big people and like I you know fat girls and I just I hadn't you know that's a around the time when I was on Glee is when social media started popping and I mm-hmm. didn't have the best you know experience on social media I either you know I was always being attacked for my weight I was always being attacked for my you know race being a black girl on television so I was initial. I was very scared, but I just, I don't know. I just was like, you know, you don't want to make a decision out of fear. If this is something that you really want to do, girl, go for it. Because I love dancing. I loved it. And um, specifically, which is people think I'm lying. I've always loved ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> specifically Latin dancing. I grew up watching it on PBS. So... <laughs> I'm so dead. I'm dead ass serious. I grew up watching I the, the comp- Yo, I grew up watching the competitions on there. So I was I was really scared because I didn't want people looking at at my body and judging me. Like that was mm. the biggest fear. The biggest the big fear of mine. But I knew I could fucking dance. So, <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. And whatever happens, happens. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we're back, Amber talks about stepping into an iconic role in Dream Girls and how she's building a brand of purpose. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at Verizon.com. I find it interesting that, and I'm telling you from Dreamgirls, is what landed you your role on Glee because you actually got a chance to be in Dreamgirls as the character Effie. So what was that like for you? It was, it was, it was, oof. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Not the Bro- oof. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Broadway ain't nobody's bitch. Do you hear me? <laughs> nobody's bitch. <laughs> <laughs> It ain't nobody's bitch. You really have to be prepared for that. And, hey. um, you know, there's no and there's no way to prepare. So, you know, it just it's going to be whatever it is going to be. And you just got to go for it. But that show is just so special to me. And mm. it was so funny because I had been around Shirley Ralph. And I literally just sit, just finished showing me the movie with Loretta Devine, where she plays my mother. And I met Jennifer Holiday, And I had been around them so much, so much, so much. And I'd heard rumors about, you know, they're trying to bring it back to Broadway. They may do it on the West End. And it was such a, uh, the year before I auditioned, or a couple of years before I auditioned, I have a picture with all of them, the original dream. Mm. Oh, wow. And um, I thought to put it on my dream, in my dream book from my hmm. vision board party. And like for that to come to fruition it it did feel like such a huge responsibility to carry that legacy and I did I wanted to make them proud 
because what they did in that time was kind of unheard of and mm. completely special. And the story that is that was being told tell us all this time in Hollywood how often, you know, women that may look like me, and that still happens to this day, are kind of put pushed to the background and used for mm. their talent, but never praised for their talent. Used right. but not praised. And so to be able to tell that story because it was so much like my story was cathartic and and special. And then Jennifer Holiday came and saw it. Mm. <laughs> and you know, Jennifer Holiday, she don't hold she'll hold her tongue. She don't <laughs> Not lie. A single tongue. <laughs> <laughs> she don't lie. She don't hold her tongue. She don't put on for cameras. She doesn't do any of that. And I, I didn't know if I was going to be, you know, bashed for it or praised for it. But when I did it, I said, I'm not giving them Jennifer Holiday's Effie. I'm going to give them Amber Riley's Effie because that role has to be rooted in truth. And so I was like, you know, I, I, I can sing, but I can't sing like Jennifer Holiday. I don't have bionic lungs like her. I, I know I can sing, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't sound like her. So I'm going to have to act the shit out of this and bring all the emotion that that I can and as much truth and passion as I can. And of all of the different, you know, reincarnations that she's seen of Dreamgirls, and she said that she's seen a lot, she told me that I was her favorite Effie that she had ever seen. See, listen, <laughs> anointed. And, <laughs> and, no, and after, after she said that to me, I was just like, I feel like I did my job. I did my job because it was important to me for her to know that I had so much respect for what it is that she did. And she set the bar so freaking high. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really do want to talk because I know we love you for so many roles, Black Lady Sketch Show, Nobody's Fool. I mean, your first feature film, so many things. But I definitely want to talk about your music because your EP, Riley, was like so good. Thank so you. good. And I, you know, so for that, I mean, I'd love to just hear a little bit. I mean, how, because this project came out last year, like, how did that come together? Because I think, as I understand it, like, you release it as an independent artist. And I think some mm -hmm. people might think, like, oh, you know, she could have gotten, like, a record deal or, you know, like, a, go through, like, a traditional label. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, like, how that project came together and really what it, what it meant to you. Because it's such, like, a solid body of work. And I think a lot of people we're sort of waiting for this. Like, where's Amber's music? Like, you know, we know, we know, we know she can do all this, but like, <laughs> where, where's, where's that, where's that album though? So. Yeah. Yeah. They was coming for me. Everybody was coming <laughs> for my look. Like, Oh, I would post stuff. Oh yeah. I'm going to be on, you know, craziest girlfriend. They'd be like, that's cute. Where's the music? Like they was really coming <laughs> for my neck. For every that's a nice picture. Where's the music? Um, <laughs> I had to I had to really explain to people how hard it was for me. It was so hard. I, so uh, I was signed to a major uh, major label and they had an idea for me and I had a different idea and we eventually parted ways and then you know got a, a, a music manager that didn't work out well that you know they also had an idea for me and I had a different <laughs> different idea and I got kind of just got pushed to you know baby got put in the corner. Then I got another manager and same thing happened. And then till finally, you know, 
I got a black woman as a manager, which duh. <laughs> <laughs> they get shit done. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Maisha Brooks, you know, uh, my manager is super, uh, super amazing. And I finally got somebody to kind of sit with me and brainstorm and really invest in me and which is what she did. And so I attribute a lot of what got done to her because I kind of had that creative mind and she just had, she had the organization. And so, you know, she was just like, if we can come up with the plan, we can get into to the creative. And that's exactly what happened. She had the idea of like, changing not necessarily changing my name but kind of giving a new name to kind of hint to the audience like that this is going to be something different than what you Mm -hmm. guys are probably expecting Uh, which Riley is still my name but um, Mm -hmm. it's just a different kind of it's not even a different persona it's who I really am and 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 it really was introducing myself to my audience Mm -hmm. and um, musically I went in with Sons of Sonic Mikey and Moses Uh, who are incredible producers and I just worked with them because I wanted to create a cohesive project and I've known them for such a long time and uh, they're like my little brothers and we kind of went in and just had fun and got to write and I made that EP after one of the hardest times that I ever had in my life and so I kind of got to this place of vulnerability where I could really write and be honest. And so I think people feel that and the sound of, of, of the music and we're just, we're sti- we're in the studio again and we're about to give part two and we going harder and it's uh, a, people, I think people are really going to love it. Right. Mm. And so for you kind of having, kind of having gone through, you know, the first, that first hurdle of like, you know, making this, making an EP and now you're in the studio again. I mean, like, what did you learn from that past experience that you're applying to what you're doing now? Oh, Just man. in terms of like your creative process, all that. Yeah. So much. <laughs> um, independent artistry is hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. Can it I quote is. you on that, ma'am? No, <laughs> it, is not, it is not easy at all. Um, it takes a lot of money, a lot of focus. You got to wear a lot of different hats. I think the main thing that I've learned is to just be patient with myself and not pressure, not put so much pressure on myself and enjoy the process. Because if you don't enjoy the process, like it's, you're not going to enjoy the, 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 um, the results, you know? So I'm taking the time to enjoy the process. I learned um, a lot more just like in this studio about what I want from um, just an engineering perspective. Like, okay, I want this level of auto-tune. I like, you know, I want a little reverb. I like, you know, for this song, I'm going to sit outside of the booth and just hold it like a microphone. So I learned different techniques. I learned what it is that I need to do and what headspace I need to be in before I go into a studio. I learned I don't like a lot of niggas in my studio when yeah. I'm in my sessions. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I learned, I, I, I did. I, I learned, I learned, um, I learned that if you put your all in, in your project and people see that, then they'll support it. You know, a lot of people like, my friends don't support my stuff. My po- yeah, but like, are you supporting your shit? Because like, if you put 
all of your money, time, attention, you know, focus, marketing, you know, brain matter into your stuff and people see that, people will automatically want to support it because it's good. So I, I, I learned a lot. I learned, I learned a lot and I'm taking all of that into this second EP. I love it. I cannot wait. And honestly, I always love to end you know, these conversations by asking the same question. I ask all my guests at this point in your career, how have you come to define creativity? Oh man. Creativity for me is freedom. I think that's how I define it. No boundaries, no holds barred, no fear, no judgment, Mm. just freedom. Do you think you've achieved that in the work that you're doing? I think it is a forever journey. Ah, beautiful answer. Very reminiscent of Nina Simone. So (laughs) 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 love it. Amber, thank you so much for this. This was such a pleasure. Thank you. As always, thanks for listening to Creative Conversation. We have so many more incredible guests this season, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you enjoy your podcasts, and I'll see you on the next one.